places. Everyone. We're now broadcasting. Roll the tape in. Three, two. A new audio drama. Appaloosa Radio is where stories come alive. In the days of the father of this country, if we are to believe a little tale about an adventure in connection with a particular cherry tree, lying was looked upon as wrong. But that was before the time of the steam engine, the electric telegraph, daily newspapers, stocks and stockbrokers, and other modern improvements. Today, to lie, and lie well, is meritorious, and besides, there's money in it. Which of itself is sufficient to make it commendable? Newspaper Editor Fred D. Hart Austin, Nevada 1878 The Sazerac Lion Club Lying for fun and profit. A Nell Trustman story. <coughs> the locals say that the Reese River Silver Strike, one of the richest in the West, began when a Pony Express horse stumbled and fell going up a gravel bank. Its rider climbed off to check on the health of his horse. Seeing that the horse was okay, he started to remount, but stopped when he saw a strange rock that glistened brightly in the sun. He picked up the rock, and stuffed it into his saddlebag. Some time later, he showed it to a friend who immediately recognized that the rock had payable silver in it. So started the mining rush that would bring between 50 and 75 million dollars in silver bullion to central Nevada, and would make the city of Austin as wealthy as San Francisco. In less than two years, Austin grew from a couple of trappers' cabins to a brick and stone city with over 10,000 inhabitants. In its glory days, Austin had every luxury and modern convenience, including paved streets, gas lights, and its own trolley car system. Today, whenever I drive Highway 50 across the Great Basin Desert, I always make it a point to stop in Austin. The official population is said to be 340 inhabitants, but I think that counts a jackrabbit or two. You see, that like a lot of things around Austin, the truth has probably been stretched, squeezed, reshaped, and remolded. In 1878, Austin, Nevada became the official home of the West's most famous Liars Club, a club named for a popular saloon, the original Sazerac Saloon. The Sazerac Lion Club met whenever its members felt the urge and its sole purpose was to be a place for its members to tell lies. Like Austin's very real silver deposits, the city's collection of perfidious fibers was more than substantial. Here's a spoiler alert. The Pony Express story was not true. The strike that started Austin did not happen until 1863, 
well after the Pony Express went bankrupt. It was a mining engineer, employed by one of the Comstock's largest mining companies, who found the first evidence of silver deposits. And, once the deposits had been identified, the mines were built by well-financed mine operators with money raised in London and New York. The operators knew how to dig deep shafts, create efficient stamping mills, and to use steam-powered equipment. It was not a pick-and-shovel, hard-scrabble operation. No it was fully professional and very well-financed. But it was a better story to have a brave Pony Express rider find the one rock, among the millions and millions, that made it all happen. Everybody loved the Pony Express. And it made the story even better knowing that the rider had stopped to care for his fallen horse. And, as its newspaper editor Fred Hart showed, Austin would much prefer a good story to the less than entertaining truth. He gave a good example. Suppose the town had a dance and the wife of one of the largest mine owners was there. The newspaper could write. Mrs. Smithers, wife of our respected fellow citizen, the Honorable Thomas Jefferson Smithers, who did himself and the county so much credit in the legislature 11 years ago, was charmingly dressed in a green tarlatan, and had her hair in stylish curls. Which would not really be the truth, because the fact of the case was that she looked like the last dried up rose of summer, and was dressed in a ghastly yellow silk, and had her hair done up, in a wad on top of her head. Who would, he argues, prefer the truth over the lie? By printing the lie, the mine owner is more disposed to placing his advertisements in the editor's newspaper, so in fact, the lie is good for commerce. The truth on the other hand would be economically disastrous. And, as newspaper editor Fred Hart adds, a well-told lie will over time replace the truth in everyone's minds. So by the 1880s, nearly everyone in Austin believed the Pony Express story. In his book, named The Sazerac Lying Club, which outsold all of Mark Twain's combined, Fred Hart notes that there are different kinds of lying. Some lie for money. He writes, I am personally acquainted with some of the most prominent citizens of the Pacific Coast, who have made colossal fortunes simply by lying, or to speak with gloved words by doctoring the truth about stocks and mines, and those men are respected and looked up to, courted and flattered, called smart, and good businessmen, when the unadorned English of it is that they are only good liars, and have made their lying pay. Some lifer of power. Fred Hart's take was, it is hardly worthwhile to say anything about political liars, because everyone knows that lying is part of a politician's trade, and will continue to be so, even in face of the scriptures, earthquakes, and civil service reform. 
There may be politicians who cannot lie by word of mouth, but they lie in the silent tomb. In other words, the race of truthful politicians is completely extinct. Some lie because of scandal, mischief, or malice. There are those men who say that they love and adore a wealthy spinster to gain her pocketbook or her property. And there are those who promise great reward for an investment in slimy quicksand. Their only purpose is to steal and rob. The investment has no value whatsoever. Tell lies to entertain or amuse, usually without intended harm. It is in the spirit of that latter group, the untruths told around a hot stove, while the fierce wind blows and the deep snow gathers outside, that Fred D. Hart created his fictional Liars Club. He tells the story this way. He was the editor of the local newspaper and his primary responsibility was on reporting on local events and happenings. However, on one particularly cold winter day, he could find nothing to write about. Nothing seemed to be happening. Needing some filler for the next edition, he decided to visit the Sazerac Saloon to check things out. When he got there, he found a group of regulars huddled around the stove telling lies to entertain each other. One man, whom Fred Hart identified as George Washington Fibley, noticed the pun, seemed to dominate, telling the most outlandish lies again and again. After listening to them for a while, the newspaper man went back to his editing duties. He mused. There seems to be a liar's club at the Sazerac Saloon. And that guy, Fibley seems to be the president. Then, he was never sure why. Fred D. Hart composed an item for his newspaper. Elected President The Sazerac Lying Club was organized last night, our esteemed, prominent, and respected fellow citizen, Mr. George Washington Fibley, being unanimously chosen president of the organization. There was no opposing candidate, his claims and entire fitness for the honorable position being conceded by common consent of the club. <laughs> course, it was a lie. There was no such club and there was never an election. Just a bunch of guys in a saloon, each trying to tell the biggest lie. Well, the next day, Fib Lee was fit to be tied. He was extremely angry. He stormed into the newspaper office and demanded an immediate retraction. 
Since Fibli was a much larger man than the newspaper editor, and was also waving a large wooden cane, Fred Hart agreed to publish a retraction. Here is what he published. <coughs> Apologetic An apology is due from the Reese River Reveille to Mr. George Washington Fibli. We said in yesterday's issue that he was elected president of the Sazerac Lying Club. This was an error, he was defeated. And, the editor reported, Mr. Fibli was satisfied, his ruffled feelings modified, and from that time forward we were the best of friends. I visited Austin, Nevada for the first time in October 1955 and have been back many times since. The old Sazerac Saloon is long gone, but today the 300 residents gather at the Silver Dollar Bar, play a little blackjack, drink a beer or two, and still tell the gosh darndest lies that I have ever heard. Palooza Springs Audio Theatre is a creative collaboration whose purpose is to write, produce, and share original story content through webcast radio experiences.